Welcome to Emerging, the official podcast of the Trout Unlimited and Costa Five Rivers program, brought to you by Sims Fishing Products. Emerging is about enabling the young angling community to drive progress in the fly fishing industry and the conservation of the places we love to fish. My name is Joseph Burney, and I'll be your host along with Andrew Lafredo. For this episode, we got a chance to talk with Paul Nicoletti and Nick Jones from the Fly Fishing Film Tour to speak with us about this year's premiere and the expanding Five Rivers and F3T partnership. We hope you enjoy. Well, hello, everyone. We made it to episode 10. I'm super excited that we made it to episode 10. It's a big number, double digits. Um, and this episode's a little special and comes with really great timing. Um, we have Paul and Nick on from the Fly Fishing Film Tour. And if y'all missed all the social media that just showed up on your uh, feed yesterday, uh, tickets are on sale now. I'm sure we'll say that about... 20 more times during this episode, but they are, you should go get them. And we're so excited to have Paul and Nick on. Um, thanks for, thanks for coming on emerging guys. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited. Yeah. So, um, for those who don't know y'all, um, I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast know what the fly fishing film tour is. Um, but do y'all mind giving an introduction? Yeah, so the Fly Fishing Film Tour is an independent film festival, and this year we're kicking things off virtually, but um, we work with filmmakers all across the world. This year we'll have 12 feature films and 10 short films in there, and uh, typically when there isn't a national pandemic, we'll hire you know about six road crew people, and they'll travel around in these vehicles across the country going to these old historic theaters, and we just play fly fishing films kind of you know loud music big screens having good drinks having good times and we do a lot of work with uh, local fly shops conservation and nonprofit groups around the country yeah awesome and paul just a little more about yourself um where are you from and um how'd you get into fly fishing yeah <laughs> uh I'm actually from uh, Connecticut, but my dad grew up in the Bronx, my mother's from Long Island. So I kind of grew up uh, in a different place, but I got really into the idea of trying to become a fisheries biologist and eventually made it out to University of Montana to study fisheries. After that, I kind of decided I wasn't growing up enough yet. So uh, I wanted to go guide and fish and meet people. That's how I got to meet Nick and get associated with something as awesome as the fly fishing film tour. So it's been real lucky, but the intro into fishing, honestly, was a friend in seventh grade. He'd bring this massive backpack full of Cabela's hardback catalogs into the uh, into eighth grade history class or whatever, and we'd just circle everything we wanted, and he just kind of slowly got me into fishing, and from there, it's just kept on getting more fun and, and more different, and yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's an interesting connection I can make to you is um, when I was just getting into fishing, I was watching, um, probably shouldn't have been, we had computers in our high school. So I was sitting in gov class, which is history class and was watching like people fishing in New Zealand and, um, the Seychelles and stuff like that. My, my fr friend now, we weren't really friends then, 
was sitting was sitting behind me in class and after class he's like dude do you fly fish and i was like not really but i think it's super cool and he's like well like i do it all the time like me and my dad go to montana every summer um let's go fishing sometime i can like he's like i'm not the best but i can try to help you get it into it and i was like yes absolutely and he's like one of my best friends now um (laughs) but nick don't want to leave you out what about what about you where are you from um how do you get into fly fishing and where you are now uh so i grew up in minnesota um which coincidentally is an awesome warm water fishery i never fly fished when i was a kid uh i grew up spin fishing and bait casting for pike and smallmouth bass and crappie and walleye and i didn't get into fly fishing until after college i went to the school at the university of san diego got my degree in marine biology so honestly fishing wasn't even big time on my radar i uh the first job i took out of university was an outdoor education instructor on catalina island um, and that job let me led me down to baja to be a spear fishing guide and to make a, a long story, a really long story, much shorter, there was a guy who'd come down with fly rods, and honestly, I was just thrust into fly fishing uh, on the beach down in Mexico. Um, I kind of learned how to cast the nine-weight rod that the guy let me use, and we each caught big rooster fish. And after that, it was like, yeah, this is for me. First yeah, I feel like rooster, like if you were to throw someone in the fly fishing, rooster fish might be one of the last fish I would, <laughs> I would suggest to people to learn on. Yeah. Well, it's the funny thing was, is the guy, the guy's name is Jeff Fezco. Super awesome guy that I've guided with him up in Alaska and the Seychelles, um, down in Mexico for a little bit. He's a super good dude. And honestly, at the root of this, he just wanted to catch a rooster fish really bad and didn't know the the area that we were in well and you know i was lucky enough being a spearfishing guide to have been in the water eight hours a day every day you know with no breaks and i knew exactly where they were and what they did so it was easy for me to say oh yeah well let's just go to this beach i mean i don't know anything about fly fishing but we'll go here because i know they're there yeah and you know for me it was i i never anticipated catching one or <laughs> I never thought in my wildest dreams that would happen. It just never registered to me. It, for me, it was just like, oh, well, he's going to let me putz around with this nine way. That's cool, whatever. And we're just horsing around on the beach, and then magic happens, and and here we are getting ready to to drop the the 2021 fly fishing film tour. Something I never thought I'd ever be doing. Yeah, and that's crazy how like one little experience can just completely alter the trajectory that you you thought you thought you had and it all of a sudden you're like no fly fishing like a rooster fish takes you takes you into a fight on a fly rod that you didn't even expect to catch and here you are talking on a fly fishing podcast uh about the fly fishing film tour it's funny funny how it all works out but i think that's a pretty powerful message within the fly fishing space because fly fishing is that type of sport where people have an experience with it and it is that powerful. It does change their lives. And you know, everybody's story is different and unique, but that's, I think one commonality between everyone's story is that they have an experience with it. And then all of a sudden it consumes their life. <laughs> totally. I think a lot of people can relate to that, as you said. Um, so for the film tour, 
Um, what? Uh, how'd y'all get get plugged into the film tour in a little more little more detail? Uh, I when I was going to school in Missoula, Montana, um, I was lucky enough to get a job as a whitewater guide in West Glacier, and it just so happened that uh, one of the the guys who was helping run that particular raft company um also was an owner in the fly fishing film tour so i had a chance to know him and his and his mom and his family over a couple years and i somehow ended up guiding up in bristol bay alaska and we just got you know my friends and i kind of got a message from brian thompson and kind of like the unofficial mayor of missoula is just awesome guy he asked a couple of my friends at the time if we were interested in uh working on the road crew and they liked hiring people from alaska because you know when you got up there for a couple months, it's not like you get a day off. There's a lot of long hours and you just kind of have to be excited about fishing and have the energy to travel for three and a half months. Um, and so we got really lucky there. And then, uh, I got hired on and I've been with them for four years now, but last or two years ago, I got to guide up in Alaska with Nick. This is an incredible experience. And when a couple positions opened up on the road, uh, the first thing I did was called Nick and I was like, you know, there's nobody better, more passionate, uh, more humble, more excited to just get people into fly fishing and try to do our best to make sure that the films are representative of all the different communities of people that like to fish everywhere. Um, so that's kind of how we got uh, connected together with the tour. Yeah, that's awesome. You touched on it a little bit in, in your intro. Um but if you're to give like a 30,000 foot, maybe a little closer than 30,000 feet, but because <laughs> I think you kind of gave that elevator pitch already of what the tour usually looks like. I think that'd be cool to hear because I've, I've experienced it. It's super awesome. I've actually been a part of uh, hosting uh, and putting on an event for the film tour. And it's really, really a cool uh, event and it brings a lot of community together, but for people who who might not have experienced that um, in a non-COVID year, what 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 do people typically uh, attend and see? Yeah, so uh, there's two different kinds of parts of the tour. There's the national tour, and then there are like the independently promoted events. And so, in a normal year, we'll have anywhere from 45 to 65 national tour events, and that's where you'd have like Nick and me traveling around with a bunch of awesome Sims Coasted Yeti gear, going to these big events having prize giveaways at the stage. Those shows can be as small as like 300 people. Um, and our biggest single show is like around 1300 people. Wow. So people come to these events, drink beer, have a good time. Uh, some people just talk and BS about fishing and glance at the screen. Other people get totally sucked into the films. And then these independent promoters are like, you know, your TU five rivers groups, uh, trial unlimited, trial unlimited chapters around the country. And then they license the films from us. And then they put on essentially their own events, fundraiser, you know, they market, we help them and we get people to just get excited to go fish, you know, in the, the doldrums of winter, everybody's dreaming about it. That first crack of warm weather, which we all want right now, as soon as you start to feel that this, you know, the film selections are meaningful stories, awesome fishing. It's super eclectic mix of all of these different films. At the end of the day, it's just about getting together and getting excited to like connect with your friends and get ready for the, the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that the tour is a, is a great representation of the fly fishing community. Like how many people do you think have attended 
the tour since its uh, since its inception? Like a ballpark estimate. So that's, that's a good question. That's on you, Paulie. I have no idea. <laughs> um, it's a tough. It's a tough thing to answer. But we have people that will, you know, come into the 2020 fly fishing film tour with like a 2010 fly fishing film tour hat on, you know, they've been going every year for 10 years. They got all the posters, they get all the hats. They're never going to miss it. And and it's great too, uh, because uh, we love to see that usually like they're the people that get all the free stuff. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, speaking of free stuff real quick, that's also a big component of all of these shows, especially the national tour events. We give away hundreds of hats and neck tubes, buffs, should call them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, like I'm working and ordering neck tubes. Buff is a trademark, so you can't say that. <laughs> you just said that. Huh? <laughs> Lawsuit like, waiting to happen. Like, fall. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a really cool component of this year's tour. We're giving away $85,000 worth of prizes alone if you just get a virtual ticket. And then if you go to a local fly shop, you get energy to win another $10,000 worth of prizes which means like you spent $15 at a local fly shop and you got entered for $95,000 worth of prizes. And if you're really awesome, then you're going to support the TU five rivers college conservation grant fund. And you're going to buy a $5 extra ticket. So you can tell everyone you supported a fly shop. You enjoyed some awesome films and you supported like the coolest conservation club of young people in the country uh, to do the right thing. So free stuff is uh, always a great thing for, for any event. (laughs) Yeah, I think that we, as a like college centric uh, club, we know all about how free free stuff incentivizes people. I mean, I mean, if you're doing something like with college kids, you're like, hey, you do this, you get a free shirt or like a free hat. Like college kids are all over that stuff. Um, I don't think it changes uh, as much as you get older, but it it's it's a really great incentive. And, um, I think that it's super awesome, especially what y'all are doing and the partnership we've created. And we'll get into that, uh, a little bit, a little bit later, but how did a little more background on the tour itself? What's the, the history behind it? Um, how to get started and, um, like, cause I think it's cool to see now, like how successful and pre- prevalent it is. Um, but what are, what are the beginnings? Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by this question because the story is long, complex, some things I don't even think I should be talking about. It's really cool, and honestly, it's just this fascinating grassroots film festival that came out of kind of like the heyday of Warren Miller. So Tom Bai, who now runs the Drake magazine, came up with the first uh, fly fishing film really well-known called Feeding Time. And... At the time, he was working for Ski Magazine, which is also part of Warren Miller Entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so Tom and some of the other people involved, Ryan Thompson, Doug Powell, and Chris Kay, had all been working for Warren Miller together. And so Warren Miller has been putting on film festivals for over 80 years. He used to put on shows like live narrating from a stage because there was no sound associated with videos. That's how long this guy had been making films and showing him in theaters. And so this model of how you put an awesome film festival on started a long time ago. And so these guys took what they had learned from Warren Miller. They took their passion for fly fishing and then they just started to put this all together. Yeah. And um, there used to be huge like ski film festivals out in Jackson Hole too. 
And I think, oh, yeah. so I think that's an inch, interesting connection. Cause I think I've, I was gonna mention Tom by in that, but I wasn't completely sure. Um, but I think it's, it's super cool. Anyways. Yeah. I'll, I'll just give you a, one other really important piece of the pie. Cause that's just one tiny glimpse of the beginning. At the same time, you have a bunch of guys, um, that you've probably heard of before, like Chris Owen, um, Thad Robinson, Jay Johnson. Uh, I was working with Pig Farm a lot. All incredible guys that really started making the Trout Bomb Diaries. Uh, like the original logo kind of came from these guys going on trips down to South America and like fixing up these vehicles and going on like a two-month-long fishing trip and filming all of it. And so they were really the inspiration that carried the concept of what they uh, these people had learned kind of from Warren Miller and hosting film festivals. And they just drove around in a van. The first couple of years was just going to like five or ten different theaters and being like, yeah, people like to fly fish here. Let's see if it works. And it just turned out to be this awesome thing. People got together and yelled at a scream, drank some beers, had a good time, mm-hmm. celebrated their love for the for fly fishing. And since then, it's just got bigger and more exciting. The stories have changed. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a large overview but at the end of the day what it came down to was a bunch of creative people recognizing an opportunity and honestly consistently doing their best to make sure that they were working with local fly shops local conservation groups and local nonprofits because that was that's the heart and the soul of everything fly fishing and it makes those shows so much better when we're caring about the places that we really love while simultaneously celebrating how awesome it is to get out there and have a few beers and full off you know yeah yeah, and that's, I think that's a huge reason why to this day it's as successful as it is because, you know, to the people who've carried the torch throughout the years up until the point that we're at now, the, you know, the core belief of the fly fishing film tour has held the same. Um, and that I think it's a huge reason why it's as successful as it is because they've stayed true to working with fly shops like what can we do to to help out fly shops and conservation initiatives and nonprofit groups and that still holds true right now you know going out on the road and meeting every single fly shop around the country and meeting people learning about different fisheries having an opportunity to fish with them on your days off or just even drink a beer with them at a show what you learn about people is that there's an authenticity with people that love to fly fish to share experiences with each other and once you really get a dose of that over you know traveling three and a half months from california to the midwest to colorado down to texas back to oregon like you know really traveling everywhere in just a truck is you realize that when you're actually putting the films together how many people are seeing them and how those experiences are so different from each other uh, you know the audience in the florida keys might not love the the trout piece as much as the people in the pacific northwest but they still appreciate it mm-hmm. and so gauging that level of interest and excitement with different films you realize that it, the films themselves are equally as powerful as the experiences so it's cool mm-hmm. so paul um how are you all doing like the COVID pivot with this and like really doing the best you can with, you know, creating this as you touched on. And so Nick as well, like creating this community of people that are excited uh, about the tour and how, how do you replicate that when people are having their shows at home? <laughs> Nick can also tell you a lot about this because over the 
the last seven months, we've gone through more than 13 in-person schedules to try to figure out the safest, best way to do this. Uh, and when you run an event like this, where we want to make sure people watch it in the wintertime, the challenge ultimately becomes, when are you going to try to make sure everyone can see it? So we had to make a decision not too long ago. And when we made that decision, the first thing we decided to do was we're going to go virtual and we're hoping to reach a lot of those new people that are just joining the spot, uh, the sport, excuse me. And so Nikki and our friend Sanford Anthony, that's also very involved with all the grassroots communication. As of right now, we're working with over 100 different fly shops and 240 uh, nonprofit chapters, clubs, and groups around the entire country and other parts of the world, uh, growing every day. And we're just trying to bring everyone together to enjoy the films. And we've got some awesome promotional opportunities so that we can do our best to support all of these people. And then uh, we have some plans that we're not going to talk too much about, uh, but some teaser for some cool things that'll happening will be happening kind of over the summer and throughout the fall. Um, some of which is going to be happening with TU Five Rivers, um, which we're super excited about. So, without giving too much away, yeah, this year, Nick, please touch on it. But I mean, it's just it's been about connecting with people over the phone and. Yeah, it's it's different. Right. Because in the normal tourist season, you know, by this point, we already had been on the road for a while. And the nice thing about being on the road is you're, you're face to face with all these people who are fans of the tour and you get to share that excitement and that stoke with people in, you know, each of the different parts of the country. Uh, that's the one like huge positive to, to getting to go on the road on tour. But you know, when I think the biggest advantage to us having to switch this year to change up and make things a little bit different is that we're not hyper-focused on each individual destination, that our focus has become much broader. And through a lot of the talks we've had, the mentality is like, how can we, like, this is an opportunity to reach way more people than we ever have in the past. And this is a way that we can, like get these conservation initiatives and awareness to more people than we ever have going city to city, holding shows in theaters. So this is kind of a, a cool, unique opportunity for us just to branch out more. And if more people can, can see this more people get behind it and that's, you know, moving in the right direction as far as supporting local shops and conservation groups and conservation initiatives. And like Paul was saying, it's a huge plus to to get connected with you guys, the TU Five Rivers program, um, because you guys are all across the country. How many different chapters does the the TU Five Rivers have? Yeah, one hundred and forty. One hundred and forty. Yeah, that that's amazing. That's, that's so cool. That's such broad reach. It's it's an amazing thing, and we're we're excited to have that it's definitely been a challenge and it was a a huge like mental adjustment to let go of the fact that we weren't going to have a normal tour season but you know as far as i'm concerned this is this is shaping up to be one of the better if not best tours we've had and like i said with just the just simply being able to reach more people this is just a cool opportunity for us to get to put this on in a little different way and still be able to share the stoke with people you know through all the phone calls and emails and coordinating we've had to do up to this point uh it'll be cool to get back to normal tour season but 
this is awesome. And we've all been kind of relishing in this, this opportunity in this moment. Awesome. Um, what, one, one other question for you guys. What, uh, speaking of just the tour before we, uh, in-person tour before we completely pivot off of that, uh, discussion, best tour story from when you guys were on the road, uh, PG 13, <laughs> no. PG 13 story. I, I have my story. Is some of the other stories. That's why he's trying to, <laughs> trying to get something else out of us. There's some really, really good stories from the road. Some of which we're definitely not going to talk about. Um, <laughs> But Nick, what would you say was like, I mean, I thought last year when you met Nick Jones at the bar, that was hundred percent my story. Yeah. That's, uh, it would be one of my standout memories. Andrew, it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer because honestly the, the whole being on tour on the road is such a unique experience. And honestly, every day is something memorable, whether it be, eating gas station food and <laughs> filling up a car with really terrible smells <laughs> to getting to hang out with some really amazing people that are part of this industry to just getting to hear people's stories about how they fish. Like it's all truly an amazing experience, but yeah, one of the big standout ones to me last year was being in Missoula, which is Paul's like hometown It's where he went to school. He's super connected there. We had an awesome show. The crowds there are always so lively and excited and just amped for us to come through. And we had a super fun show. People were happy, excited. We went out to the bar afterwards to celebrate a little bit. And I ended up meeting another guy with my same name, and which I, I shouldn't think is that crazy of an experience because my full name is Nicholas Paul Jones. We're a dime a dozen. There's so many millions of people with this name, but it's ironic that we ran into one this night and it turned into a big deal. I ruined the poor guy's first date with, uh, with <laughs> a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a gong show. Really funny, but that's definitely a standout moment to me. Yeah. Well, this, this, girl, like was you. A, this girl was on a first time date with other Nick Jones. Right? <laughs> and I straight up hijacked their date. And once I found out we had the same name, I was just like, no way. That's the most amazing thing in the world. And we got to talking about fly fishing, ironically. And he's obviously big time into fly fishing. So he like quickly transitioned from speaking with his date to talking to me. And I thought they were husband and wife. I didn't know any better. I mean, he and has he, his priorities in order. Well, he, he went, it was funny because he went to go to the bathroom and now this gal who he was on his first date with is sitting next to me at the bar and I leaned over and said, Hey, you know, thanks so much for, for sharing your husband with me for the evening. Like, this is so crazy. I'm so blown away that we have the same name. And she's like, he's not my husband. We're on our first date. You ruined it. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's also like this component of like in Missoula, Montana, we'll put like 1500 people through two shows in the same night. And like the Grizzly Hackle uh, and a couple of these other fly shops in the area throw these big pre-parties like pulled pork and local beer and everybody like really likes to have a good time and get a little rowdy. So everybody kind of goes out afterwards. And I went to school in Missoula and my first film tour showing was when I was like 19 years old and I got to go to the Wilma and watch this thing. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like this is like kind of like a college party, but everybody is really nice 
and nobody's like out of control, but everybody's just like screaming at the screen and, you know, someone catches a giant fish and everyone's just like a couple people are standing up and applauding and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> so of course, when we went to Missoula last year, we had this awesome show, you know, beautiful theater, super loud music. Like it's a really great experience doing the MC stuff as well. And you just get done. You just feel good. You're like, man, we just made people's lives more enjoyable. <laughs> that was fun. Like, you know. And, and to so see no, people, that yeah, was, to see people get as excited as they do, it's like, in return, it's like they make our lives more enjoyable. Like it's it's a hard thing to describe, but in you know Paul MC'd that show in Missoula, and that was an important show for him because that's where he went to school. But it's you know you could say the same for just about any town you go to that when you get to MC the show and you see people get so excited, it's like they make your life that much better that night. You just ride this huge natural high and Missoula was a big one. Yeah. And I'm sure after being on the road for a while, it's like you get one of those shows and it just re re energizes you. Like, even though you have to act like you have to be like high energy at those events, it's like, it gives you that real boost of energy that caffeine can't cover up. It's 100% a roller coaster of emotions. And I don't say that lightly because it's hard work. It's hard work. You don't get a lot of sleep. You spend a lot of time driving, but it's like you find yourself like at your wits end. You've done back to back shows. You haven't had time to yourself. You've been sleeping, you know, in cots, in hotel rooms. You've been eating gas station food. You have zero energy. You're, you know, being pissy and, you know, short tempered with the people that you're working with. And then you show up to a show and it's like, you have a beer, you get stuff set up, you see people start to come in and people are so genuinely beside themselves. They're so happy and excited. It's like this instant pick me up and then you get into it. And then by the time the show finishes, you're like on cloud nine, like totally reinvigorated on what it means to be alive and be a part of something so cool and then you, you, know, and you have fun that night, whatever. And then you get back on the road and you're like, Oh, <laughs> it's like this funny constant up and down. It's a, it's a cool thing to, to be a part of. Yeah. And throughout sure the Nick Jones was riding, uh, other Nick Jones is riding, uh, one of those bad, bad declines after that show. Yeah. Nick, Nick, Nick Jones didn't have a girlfriend after that night. Maybe we should, maybe we should see if we can't find Nick Jones. We should try to do that. That would actually be really yeah. funny to reconnect with him. <laughs> Share this podcast with him. Yeah. We need to get other Nick Jones on the podcast. That would be legendary. That'd be awesome. Did you ever find yourself like driving, driving from show to show? And it's like, you have this river that's on the way. It's like, all right, we can, we can stop here or we can like get a mental break. And you're like, well, I have to fish. And then the, the fishing is the mental break. Yeah. <laughs> and that was calculated. We would know where we were going to try to fish before we'd even show up to a city. So like when you get back to Colorado, you restock cause that's where home base is. And then the question is like, do you want to drive 15 hours in two or three days? Or do you want to drive there as quickly as possible? Not speeding, but like, you want to just yeah. go straight there. And yeah. so the decisions would be like, we're going to make ourselves more tired because we can fish for two days on a Midwest river in the middle of the winter, catch some steelhead, you know, like yeah, you got to take advantage of that stuff. And most of the time too, it's like, we'll have 
a good friend at a local fly shop or some guy we just met on the river and they see like, you know, our F3T trailer, they're like, hey, you want to go fishing? You want to go try this out? And I can't tell you how many times we've met just awesome people on the road fishing and then they take us to their secret spot. And then, and then we have like, you know, experience of a lifetime and it's just because like, yeah, of course you're going to say yes to someone. Else. It's just it's just because we were there. Like, listen, a lot of the places, and Paul, you could speak to this too, and I'm fairly certain you're going to say the same thing as me, but I would not have fished in a fraction, a tiny fraction of the places that we fished in without having done this job. It's just so cool when you're physically in all these different places, you make connections with all these people. It's just a really unique way to see all these really niche fisheries in this country and we've been lucky enough to to get to see a lot of them that's super cool and it's amazing experience i know uh there'd be like the call every every year to um for road crew and stuff and i remember me and my roommates who were all we all met through five rivers and the podcast has heard that probably a million times now but um we're always like shoot like we only have like this many more years till we fulfill the age requirement for this and then COVID hits and we're like oh well um that sucks but (laughs) (laughs) um but it's so cool because we're always so stoked like these people for um for it and um like we'll drive like we're willing to drive to there was a year when we didn't have uh the show in Athens. Usually we have um in Athens, Georgia, we'll have um the Trout Unlimited Club. We'll pick it up. We did it last year or two years ago. Not last, shouldn't happen last year, did it because of COVID. But two years ago, um to support a Embrace the Stream uh project we were doing on the Chattahoochee. Uh, and then a guide service picked it up a couple years ago, my freshman year, and there was a gap in there. Um where we went to the main main show in Buckhead. Um, and it's just always a great time and it's super awesome. Um, but to pivot towards uh, what to look forward to, um, I think that it's really exciting that we have this partnership now with Five Rivers and um, F3T. Uh, what, I guess, without, if we can, without spoiling anything, um, what exciting things are, are coming down the road uh, with this partnership. Yeah, man. Um, it's super lucky. Last year I get to meet Josh Duplashane, who works with TU National. Um, and we were talking about films and we got to hang out a bunch. And this summer he introduced me to Andrew. Uh, I've, I've always personally been super into, I used to teach AP environmental science for a bit. I studied fisheries and to hear that they were like, TU Five Rivers clubs around the country. Um, when I first learned a little bit more about the program and realized like, wow, this is awesome. I got to meet Andrew. And then I started realizing that all of these other people I know are all TU Five Rivers grads, like Heather Harkavee and Eland and Jared, who's running Fly Lords. And I thought like, wow, this is, this is super unique. And it didn't take long at all for me to convince Andrew that like Nick and Sanford and the other people that work with us are always super fired up to get younger people excited and the fly fishing film tour as we talked about it's a fun experience so to be able to in the future host more college focused events just for college students local fundraisers is something that we really want to push for in the future and honestly we just want to get more connected with younger people that are super excited about fly fishing and 
Um, it's such a fun event. It's, it's a good way to raise money in a non-COVID year. It's, it's such a cool thing that we can do together for you guys to kind of grow your clubs and do more projects and get uh, people excited about fishing. And then it's the same thing for us, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll just kind of leave you off with this as well is, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers who've been making films for the F3T for a long time. They're incredible. But we're also just really excited to kind of see the next generation of young filmmakers come into the space. Uh, and this year we have the first um, – Lefty Craig Youth Film category winners, um, two like 20-year-old young guys that made an awesome film, conservation story that I think all the TU Five River students are going to be really excited about, mm-hmm. and it's just really inspiring to see students in their 18s, 19, 20, or you know even their mid 20s just getting super passionate about fly fishing, but also really caring about conservation. So I don't know if I was very specific there, but the point is Andrew and I, along with other people at TU National, are really going to be working to get as involved with TU Five Rivers, you know, as we possibly can in the future. Because uh, we think what you guys are doing is awesome. And yeah. Yeah. And I think including uh, the Lefty Cray, um, the young filmmakers in the film tour is, is super awesome. And I remember, um, Matteo Moretti, who we've had on the podcast, and I were texting about that um, when we saw it come out on on Instagram, the announcement. I was like, "Dude, this is so awesome! Like, we like this is like the future being materialized in front of us. Is <laughs> it's so cool because I think that when you're young, you feel like you can get like you're you're not heard and you're left out and all these." Like, people are saying that we're going to, like, we don't care about the environment and we, like, this and that, the other, and it just couldn't be farther from the truth. And I think that it's so cool that, um, especially with the community fund, which this sweepstakes is going to, that $5 extra on your ticket is a way for all these clubs to get a grant and go through the grant writing process and get this experience. And we want our students to be able to, like get this real wor- world experience that they can take and they can go to an employer, whether it's in the conservation realm or not and say like, look what I did. Like I am, I am protecting this place that um, we love and conserving it. And at the same time, I got this great experience learning how to manage a project, learning how to manage a team, um, write a grant and it's really cool and Andrew and I are really excited and a lot of other people are really excited about the community fund and the amazing things that it's going to be able to do for our fisheries and kudos to y'all for enabling enabling and showing the like greater public that is has always been stoked about fly fishing and conservation that um that these young people care and exposing five rivers to a broader broader audience to be totally honest with you like right out of college i was super excited to conquer the world and i tried to start a nonprofit, uh, and I, I did it and i had a board of directors and my close friend and i decided not to do it the last minute and it's been interesting to see over the last seven years of my life as i've gotten older how challenging it is to bridge the connection between really smart young people that are trying to figure out life and do the right things, get stoked about fly fishing and conservation to really share that voice. You know, a lot of people say we do this, we do that, but it's just really hard to actually say that you're helping share that voice in a way 
where other people can recognize that this is not just a little tiny fraction of the population of young people that care about these things, but that there's actually an unbelievable amount of young people between the ages of 16 and 25 that really do care about making those changes. And so we're really excited to make sure that they have a voice in the future. And also, like Nick will tell you, last year when he showed up to work on the road crew, he never put on an event for a thousand people or jumped up on a stage and done all of that. And the cool thing about some of these events and hosting them in the future for college students is like, that's really, really good experience to be able to convince yourself to public speak and put on an event and raise the money yeah. and then see it through. And the result of being able to take what you raise from that and actually use it towards something to me is super empowering uh, and a really important thing to learn as you're getting older to take that autonomy and run with it and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, and just want to reiterate uh, thanks to Paul and, and Nick and the, and the whole F3T crew for, for helping us out and getting the, the word out about the program. You know, it's just offering this opportunity to as many young people as we can. And, you know, the community fund is just a, a micro chasm of the whole program, what we're able to do and offer for opportunities for, for students. But I think there's a ton of potential with offering that experience right and one of the things that we always talk about you know joseph is more in the in the college game than i am i've been out for a little bit but uh you know what's cool in college uh you know and how we can offer opportunities for young people to like you know if i'm a business major to have something that uh, is relevant that they can take fibers and make it something relevant for their own life and career and something above and beyond uh college and their aspirations in that moment uh is something that i'm really keen on offering for people and you know the fires team uh, cliff and joseph and franklin and headwaters in general is is all about um but just really appreciate you guys uh stepping up and, and helping us out uh getting the word out yeah we couldn't be happier we think what you guys are doing is awesome so um i'll say it again um and i'm i'm going to take as many opportunities to plug this as I can, but the tickets are on sale now. Um, but how do people go get those tickets? How do they sign up for the sweepstakes? Um, what's up for grabs? Um, and we talked about a little bit, but where the, where's the, where's the money going from, from the tour and such? Yeah. So couple ways to buy tickets. Uh, if you go to our website, you can see that there's a map for all of the local fly shops that we're working with across the country. If you go to a fly shop and uh, it's on that map, they'll have like a special QR code. And so you can go in there. We ask that you support the shop by buying something that you're going to eventually use anyways, you know, celebrate that local business component. And with that QR code, you're going to get $5 off your ticket entered into a separate sweepstakes from Coastal Yeti and Sims for $10,000. And depending on what shop you go to, you'll also get a free F3T hat or buff. Um, if you don't have one of those fly shops by you, you can just go online. We've got like single tickets and family pass tickets um, and something called the active pass as well, which gives you um, interest into like some of the other brands we have like Backpacker Magazine and Warren Miller. And then uh, last but not least, the most important component is that you guys can uh, get your normal ticket and on that page, you can also get a $5 ticket to the TU Five Rivers um, raffle, or excuse me, sweepstakes, uh, and all the proceeds are going to go to the College Conservation Grant Fund, which is awesome. So 
um, you know, with the help of especially all the DU Five Rivers students that are listening right now to kind of get that message out. We're going to do everything we can on our end, but uh, any help you guys can can give us on that front, um, hopefully the more money we can raise. Yeah, and that'll be super awesome. And it's kind of it's kind of cool messaging, Paul, for, you know, people going in. And let me just reiterate this. If you go into a fly shop and get that discount, it's $5 off what you would normally be paying anyways. It totally makes sense to go put that right back into the Trout Unlimited TU Five River Sweepstakes. There's no reason not to. I mean, you're spending that money anyways. It's it's only 20 bucks. That's what you would have been spending to buy a ticket, and you get to support TU Five Rivers. But I think you all, you also want to know about the prizes, right? Real quick. Yeah, I think people want to know about the prizes. Yeah, if you can give us, Paul, the rundown of uh, – what people get with the $95,000 sweepstakes or what, what the F3T raffle is and then the sweepstakes prizes, um, yeah. that'd be good. Yeah, you bet, man. So if you go to that local fly shop, that gets you into a separate raffle automatically so you can win uh, 15 of the hip hybrid pack systems from Sims, which is their new flyweight series, 15 coats for Costa sunglasses. So instead of you calling us and we let you pick out of our selection, you go onto their website, you get anything you want, and then 15 Yeti Loadout Go boxes. And that's just if you go to the fly shop. Now, anybody who gets a ticket period is going to be entered into an $85,000 raffle. So we've got 15 of the Flyweight Backpack Series from Sims, 15 Costa sunglass codes, 15 Yeti Loadout Go boxes. Um, we have 15 Thomas and Thomas fly rods in four different models. We have 15 scientific amplitude um, fly lines in five different types, and we can pretty much at this point cater the, uh, the the weight of the line for anybody who wins. Oscar Blues is giving away some like corduroy alpaca line, um, like flannel like shirts. Uh, along with like a custom Oscar Blues Yeti cooler, Trial Unlimited's giving away memberships, fly boxes, hats, and stickers, and there's going to be three special giveaways for Coast Yeti and Sims as well, which are like these massive packs of pretty much everything that all of their best new product. Um, and then they really cap it off there on the end is that we're giving away, uh, we're entering people into a separate sweepstakes to win um, five huge trips. One is a trip to Kamchatka, Russia for two. The other one is a trip to Mexico for one. We got a trip to the Bahamas for one. We've got a trip to Australia for two to go into the Outback and go target um, Murray Cod. And then a trip for two to the Seychelles. So not just one person, two people going to the Seychelles. It's a $22,000 value. Um, and so, yeah, we got a lot going on. And that's just if you buy a ticket. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing maybe one or two things. And then, Andrew, do you want to give them the rundown on the TU Five Rivers raffle? Yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, so I know we have uh, an Able Reel. We have Yeti uh, loadout box. We have uh, a very interesting prize from Adipose as well, um, which is, was it, Paul, two weeks? Two weeks trip? Two week uh, boat rental, yeah. Two week yeah, boat two, rental from Adipose. Yeah, so. uh, two week boat rental. Uh, some, uh, yeah, that you can utilize. Whoever wins that is going to be able to pick the dates that they're going to be able to go and uh, take the Costa Adipose boat out for their own fishing adventure in Montana. Uh, it's going to come with a Yeti cooler. 
um, and a lot and Sims uh, flyweight series as well um, and some other products too. So, um, you know, it's super uh, worth your while for that five bucks, uh, especially uh, that, that adipose uh, package is pretty sweet, you know, just being able to build your own adventure in, you know, as long as you have yeah. a, a car that can tow a uh, adipose boat, you're making gravy, you know, Hey, those, those Home Depot, uh, Home Depot rental trucks aren't too, aren't too expensive too. That'll tow an adipose boat for sure. You'll be riding in style. Camp out in the back of it. There you go, man. It's <laughs> the all in one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, um, we'd love for you all to have the opportunity to plug all your socials, um, and the website and stuff. Uh, go, go for it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, www.flyfilmtour.com. And uh, once you do get your ticket, you can follow the instructions. You'll be notified multiple times and actually how to fill in your information to be a part of the sweepstake. Uh, but for social, you guys can um, follow us as the F3T on Facebook. And on Instagram, I'm trying to... Fly Fishing Film Tour on Instagram. Um yeah, guys, follow us. We've been posting. Nick's been doing all the posting, and we've got trailers up, more coming. We've got a lot of other posts, including one specific to TU Five Rivers, right before we get even closer to the day that we go live uh, to really help push. So if you guys are going to be tagging us um, and the Stoke Reel and any of the things to help TU Five Rivers sell more raffle tickets, um, just tag us. We can repost you, and uh, we'll be doing a lot of work on our end, too. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. To- at the at the core of this, the the content this year is unbelievable. The films are amazing. They all have awesome messages. There's a lot of cool conservation deals through each of the films. They're they're just awesome. Uh, we can't stress that enough. Where it's just so cool to have seen everything come together like this. And this is such a unique year. And like all the content that we've you know, gathered throughout this course is every bit as unique as the year. We couldn't be more excited about it. And we're excited as we move closer to March 10th. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. We're super excited for the film tour um, and the partnership. Uh, It was great. Great talking to y'all. Yeah. Thank you guys for having us. It's our pleasure, man. Thank you.